Amidst the grounds of the Miskatonic University stands a grim archive. Within lies a collection of the darkest secrets known to mankind. But visitor beware, for what horrors lie within their pages. Can you resist their maddening call, or will you succumb to the tales from the Orna Library? Tonight's story, The Shadow Over Providence, Part 1, Lights Out. Tonight's story features the talents of Stephen Anderson as Albert Barisi, Matthew Bennett as Professor Gerard Maxwell, Jacob Clark as Phil McGee, and Benjamin Van Rokel as Marcus Koenig. It is early morning in Providence, Rhode Island. We see the base of the Grand Milton Hotel. Large trucks idle nearby as workers unload crates labeled Property of the British Museum, Kingdom of Fire exhibit. Not far away, in a nearby building, we see three figures huddled together, one wielding a pair of binoculars. They watch the crates being unloaded. What do you think, boss? Think some valuables in there? A man with fiery red hair walks up and grins. Oh, I don't think. I know so. Call everyone up. We've got plans to make. And welcome back, listeners, to the Tales from the Orn Library. This is part one of The Shadow Over Providence. It is August 17th, 1928. The Milton Hotel in Providence, Rhode Island is bustling with activity this evening. Three large events that evening hold a monopoly for the hotel's space. A wedding reception for the marriage of Edith Sterling and Charles Holmes held on the second floor. The Society of Geological Studies is holding their annual conference there as well. But the main event is the Kingdom of Fire exhibit held on the 17th floor. Chock full of Egyptian artifacts from the British Museum, this event has drawn visitors from all over the surrounding area, like a moth to, well, flame. A chime sounds as elevator doors slide open. A crowd of guests spill out towards this exhibit. Among them is Mr. Albert Baris. Why don't you describe yourself real quick? Yeah, uh, I am Albert Barisi, and uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm about six foot six, a relatively gaunt sort of figure. Uh, I have my hair, uh, my black hair slicked back. A uh, bit of a bowler hat on, and uh, wore a nice little suit. Okay. Now, before you, before you fully exit the elevator, you are briefly blinded by the flash of a camera. A very well-dressed and excited-looking red-headed youth ambles over to you, grabbing your hand. Hello, sir. I'm Joshua Ward, junior reporter from the Providence Journal. Can I get your name and what brings you to the exhibit tonight? Yeah, you want my name and what brings me to the exhibit tonight? Uh, yeah, so I'm Albert Barisi, and uh, I'm just here making sure, <clears throat> or I'm, I'm here making sure uh, everything's everything's going all right. Just 
taking a look at the good old artifacts. Wow, wonderful. And, and he kind of moves over to another guest, snaps a picture, asks them the same thing with the same exuberance. Um, also in this crowd is one, Marcus Koenig. Uh, toasts are going on at the wedding reception below, so seizing the opportunity to slip away for a moment, here you are. Again, why don't you describe yourself? Um, I am Marcus Koenig. I'm not going to try and do a German accent. <laughs> I am a 30-year-old gentleman um, wearing a tux, um, as is uh, the dress code for this sort of thing. He is a probably a more more towards the gaunt side of um, figure, um, and he uh, sort of looks. A little bit dazed at all that is happening around, um, just in general. So as you're uh, shuffling through this crowd, kind of being pushed and shoved here and there, a uh, middle-aged man with a very charming face uh, looks you over, kind of gives you a weird eye. He straightens his lightly worn suit and uh, walks over to you. A bit overdressed for this kind of event, aren't you? Well, uh, I'm debuting some new compositions here at the wedding. Um, so I figured I'd dress for the occasion. Ah, musician, ain't you? Well, I'm Coleman Reese. And, uh, you look like a guy who, uh, has a fair bit of a bow to his name. Uh, how would you like to, uh, increase that? Well, I, I would like to know what you're proposing, of course. You see, I'm, I'm a gambler. I love, I love the card table. So, uh, what do you think about after all this is over? Maybe uh, joining me down on the third floor lobby. I grab a couple other guys. We uh, play when I have poker. Um, I'm not very good at uh, most gambling. Games. I mean, well, a musician's job is sort of gambling, ain't it? Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's over, and he claps you a little too hard on the shoulder and uh, slides a business card in your shirt pocket and walks away. So the two of you, Albert and Marcus, uh, you follow the crowd to a uh, single podium where a young man in a very nice uh, uniform for the hotel stands taking tickets which you all had received um, as free tickets for offer to the event for anyone staying in the hotel. Uh, the two of you and your tickets, different parts, points in the line and you pass by a couple security guards. One of them is Mr. Phil McGee. Go ahead and describe yourself to the listeners. The best description I have is if anyone has watched Superbad, I am McLovin in a night guard outfit. And it was super short, um, very short, very unassuming, very nerdy, and a pushover. That's the general vibe. Glasses, the whole nine yards. So you see some of these people in fancy suits, and uh, some with children, some without. 
walk past you and your fellow security guard kind of leans over to you. Can't believe how many people are showing up to this stuffy exhibit. I mean, who the fuck cares about this stuff anyways? Yeah, yeah, me, me, me too. I, I don't, I don't know why they don't care or why they care. I don't know. Are you okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Hey, whatever. And um, I, I move like five feet away from. Them. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and uh, so a sea of guests now swarms this ballroom, um, looking at the various artifacts, both mundane and extraordinary. Some observe from distance, some examine up close. Much to your chagrin, Dr. Gerard Maxwell. Professor. <laughs> Much to your chagrin, Professor Gerard Maxwell. Uh, now it is your turn to describe yourself to the listeners. I am Professor Gerard Maxwell. I'm an Egypt- Egyptologist for the, muse- for the British Museum. I'm six foot even, and I wear your typical professor outfit. I have a pocket watch. So you stand around keeping a close eye on these artifacts and the people uh, the people interacting with them and your heart sinks for a moment as you see a, a little toddler reach its pudgy little hand um, towards an item specifically a red jasper shop tea figurine resting on a pedestal. Please, little boy. Make, please do not touch the exhibits. They are priceless artifacts. The child's mother runs up and grabs the and grabs the little boy. I'm so sorry. I, I had him for one moment. I turned around and he was gone. And she leans down and gives him a scolding. It's quite all right, ma'am. Just make sure it doesn't happen again. Thank you. Yes, I'll see to that. And uh, she takes the boy's hand. And Continues off towards the exhibit. So now that the scene is set, what would you like to do? God, my job is kind of just there. I'm <laughs> just <laughs> watching everything. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Gerard. Um, he he's he's not a security guard, but he is still like looking to make sure everything is in its place. So kind of, I would say half uh, making sure everything is not touched and half admiring. The exhibits. Okay. So our, I would like then, real quick, Maxwell and McGee to both make spot hidden rolls. Make a hard spot hidden roll. Well, I got a 73. Well, so. Yeah. Uh, 38, <laughs> 38 over 22. Not a hard success. So, as far as you can tell, nothing seems out of ordinary. There's just regular people milling around. Um,. Marcus and Albert, anything you two are doing? Um, Albert's actually, he's also kind of taking a look around. He's um, hes admiring the artifacts, but he's also kind of scoping out other people. Just making sure nothing's going awry. No one's planning anything heinous, that sort of stuff. Okay. So yeah, go, um, then I guess you would also make a, a spot hidden roll. And while you do that, I forgot to, I neglected to mention this. So the centerpiece of this exhibit is an artifact known as the Ibn Hotep Canopic Jar that was recently found, but that is the centerpiece of the exhibit right now. It was hard. Hard. I've got a 96 over 25. <laughs> <laughs> almost there. Almost. Just, 
I mean, for you, you can push if you'd like. I'm actually going to do that. Okay. Do that. Well, what, what would be your justification? Um, <clears throat> so, uh, before, I was just kind of looking around in general. Now I want to be focusing on the Ibn Hotep artifact. Um, specifically, I want to be taking a look at uh, staff and uh, anyone in uniform. Okay. Ooh, 14, under 25. Okay. So, as you're kind of scoping around, for one, you see standing by the canopic jar is the head of this exhibit, Dr. Caitlin Bronson. She's a, a very small woman. Um, hair is uh, just stark white. Glasses, very posh. She is discussing something with an, with an Italian man. Uh, you're, you're kind of watching the discussion, keeping an eye on the guy she's talking with. And out of the corner of your eye, you see just someone walk past and eye the centerpiece in a way that just kind of tips you off and rubs you the wrong way. Um, this person's about 5'9", uh, Caucasian, he's got a thick beard, looks to be maybe Irish in descent. And uh, and ju- just a quick glance, but then he's off. Hmm. Uh, is there any way I can follow him, or does he just... He kind of, like, is he gone? He kind of melded into the crowd, but if you'd like to try to follow him, you can you can do this, so. Um, uh, I have a, I have a hunch. I'm just going to keep my eye peeled for him. Okay. And just kind of remain chill in the crowd. Okay. Marcus, what about you? Um, Marcus is going to just look for any, like, sort of artifact that may catch his eye other than like the centerpiece okay. I think um, see if there's any like small little objects okay bobbles so uh, you cannot find your way over to where there are these uh, shop tea figurines and there's a plaque underneath them that explains what they are uh, they're funerary figures they were used to kind of award things off. There are about seven of them. Uh, three made of clay, one of turquoise, one of malachite, one of topaz, and then one of red jasper. Um, could I maybe make a history roll to see if I know uh, who this person it's portraying is? I mean, I know the name is... What was it? Sorry. Shopti. Shopti. Um, do I know anything about... That because I, I have history as a uh, uh, skill. Mm-hmm. I guess you could, uh, but I, you can go ahead and do it if you want. Okay. Well, that is a ninety-six over fifty. Yikes! Um, I mean, you go through the the names of Egyptian pharaohs and royalty that you know of, and. None of them really coincide with this specific thing you're thinking you're looking at, and um, with like what you're reading, it's kind of not correlating in your mind. But yeah. So about this time, uh, the ringing of a small bell captures everyone atten- everyone's attention to the center of the room. There is Doctor Bronson with a small handbell standing by the Ibn Hotep canopic jar. Um, she clears her throat. And uh, 
Hello and thank you all for coming. This is the Ibn Hotep Canopic Jar. This fascinating piece dates back to 1325 BC. Canopic jars are normally used to preserve the pharaoh's organs as he crosses over to the afterlife. I'm going to zoom in a little bit so I can see. <laughs> I feel like she's just reading this off an iPad and just actually doing this in real time. But a special case was made for Ibn Hotep. Hieroglyphics records from that period, hieroglyphic records, apologies, from that period tell us that he was an advisor and astrologist for the boy king Tutankhamun. According to the records, he attempted to use black magic to murder the king. The jar's accompanying tablet, she indicates to the small tablet, says that after he was defeated, Ibn Hotep's soul was trapped within the jar in order to prevent his entry into the afterlife as punishment for his wicked deeds. And as soon as she says that, the lights go out. And suddenly the hall is erupted with a sound of gunfire and bright muzzle flashes oh, shit. are peppering the air. You hear a grown man cry. <laughs> <laughs> So people start screaming and running in panic. Um, to your disheartenment, Maxwell, you hear a few things clatter to the ground and break. Um, Dr. Bronson's kind of shouting. I'm trying to find her way. Um, I would like all of you to make a power roll. Uh-oh. Hey, that's a 60... Normal? Yes, that is a 6,380. There's a 99 over 25. Oh, no! <laughs> That's a crit fail. Wow. Uh, 18 wow. under 22. That's two rolls in the 90s. Dang. Oh, out of three. <laughs> out of three rolls. They were like fucking this game. And they're, the upper, they're even the upper half of the 90s. <laughs> so you succeeded. Uh, you succeeded. I got an 85 over 60. And you failed. Okay. <laughs> so, the two of you, Maxwell and McGee, you can act this round. Hey! As you hear the bullets are whizzing past your ears. So, you may act. What would you like to do? It is the end of the round. Wait, it's dark, right? Yeah. <laughs> Curl up in a ball? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm trying to save myself. I'll grab my gun, but I'm shaking. I'm just... Okay. No uh, flashlight. Maxwell is going to try and make his way towards an exit. Because despite the uh, exhibits being destroyed, I have, a, I have a bit of common sense. Okay. I'm like most suppressors. More shots are fired into the ceiling. Um, you hear a cry, and then Dr. Dr. Bronson gasp. You hear a crash, and then you hear a scream. Um, I would like everyone to make a dex roll. The rolls are heavy. He's not in the 90s. Please. Okay. <laughs> Is it in the 90s? 77 over 75. Okay. This is a 63 over 60. Can I push that? You can spend luck as well. Actually, do you mind if I use a point of luck? Because fuck this shit. Sure. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend two luck on that. 
Well, it's on three luck. That's right. Right? Because uh, it's 63. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I'll need, I'll need two luck, right? Yeah. Uh, I got a 70 over 40. Oof. I got, a, I got a 20 under 60, which is under 30. Okay. Um, so, with the exception of Marcus, and I guess Maxwell, since you're going with the crowd, the other two, Albert and Phil, managed to keep your ground among the swarming crowd as things are moving. But Marcus, uh, you kind of find yourself being pulled back out of the room. And you may all now perform an action this turn. Hmm. How does this initiative work? It goes by decks. So, um... I am 40. 60. 75. And yours, Sir Professor? 60. Look, I, what if it's tied? You guys will technically go at the same time, but... So it's 75, 60, 60, 40. Oh, that's okay. nice. Nine there you go. Circle. The audience has no idea. <laughs> Don't tell for, for those at home, uh, we're recording this in person for the first time yeah, yeah, yeah. in yeah, a long yeah. time. Vaccinations. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Science. Uh, anyways, so top of the round. Thank you, Bill Gates. You know, my 5G has a normal So top of the round, uh, that would be Albert. You hear the scream towards the center of the room where Dr. Bronson is. And and once again, these gunshots are just peppering the air. Okay, so it's completely dark? Yes. The muzzle flashes are giving you, like, almost a strobe light effect in a way. They aren't illuminating anything important, are they? Like, people of interest or anything? Um, not quite. Okay, gotcha. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to draw my pistol and I'm going to, uh, if there's any furniture over, I'd like to kick over like a table and, um, and kind of, uh, and kind of hide behind it with my pistol. Okay. So you managed to find a table that's already been upturned, um, and you spin it around and quickly duck behind it, um, readying an action. So, um, well, with this situation, I would give you a penalty die. But because you are readying yourself, you will just roll normally if you end up end up firing a shot. All right, Phil. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in the ball with my pistol, chilling, just okay. trying not to die. Alrighty. Maybe. Well, okay. Wait. Okay. When I went down into the ball, okay. I need I need spatial awareness here. I'm assuming we were by the doorway, my partner and I. So I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming that I'm next to the wall already, right? Yeah. Can I actually move into the doorway and behind the wall so I'm even safer? Because uh, I can feel the wall on my back, right? right? So can I like scurry like around the corner? I mean, I'll stand up if I have to. Sure, but make a dex roll because you'd be going against the crowd. Oh, I didn't think of that. I'm just gonna stay where I am. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. All right, Professor Maxwell. I'm still like I'm just trying to find a safe spot. Um, actually, no. I'm gonna see if I can find more security to, so I can tell them 
to go uh, shoot the assailants. Okay. You know, you, you're willfully being, willfully being taken with the crowd, and you find the two security guards. One is trying to figure out what the hell is going on, the other is curled up in a ball. Uh, <laughs> with his pistol pointed in the air, covering his ears. No safety. Um, <laughs> panicking. Crying, too. Uh, alright. <laughs> what are you idiots doing? Get up! <laughs> there are. I, I will stand up, but I'm still gonna do this. There are priceless artifacts in there, and they will not be harmed any further. I'm a priceless artifact. I don't want to die. Try to think something cool. <laughs> <laughs> we pay you two dollars an hour. You're not priceless. <laughs> you very much have a price. You, you have a very you determined a price. <laughs> I I hand out oh, my man. gun and give it to him. <laughs> Actually, I give it to you. Don't hand that to me. If you care so much. I'm a professor. I'm not a killer. Now do your job and get in there. <laughs> I guess I'm going to go in there. Okay. Peer pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to go slowly with my gun in the air. I mean, I can't see anything, right? Like I was saying, like with um, Albert the multiple muzzle flashes are kind of creating a little bit of a strobe effect. So while you can't get a clear picture of everything, you at least have the ability to see where you're going. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this. I'm just gonna, like, put my gun in and shoot. Oh <laughs> my god! This is why I'm back to the table! Oh, look! I'm gonna, like, see a muzzle flash and try to hit that. Maybe like, I'm not just gonna do blindly. Well, Hmm. Do I want to go extreme or hard? This is an extreme. This is you, man. Well, this just happens yeah, to be this that is... Ben's characters in the way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It's not far enough into the game. Well, <laughs> let's not get crazy here. Um, it's only a D10. It's almost all of my that HP. Is... Uh, yeah, so go ahead. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and make, make an extreme firearms roll. <sighs> Dang. That's a 15 over 10. Can I use luck? You can. Right? You can't. No, not, not, on, not on firearms? Not on firearms. Not on attack rolls. Oh, Dang. Man. Hey, that was close, though. But, yeah, that's a fail. I will be kind to you and say it doesn't hit anyone. You hear a crash as it hits into one of the display cases. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. I, I then turn around and I, gi- I like give the gun to his chest. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just flabbergasted. Uh, I just want to say I saw him put the phone down and the dice rolled on the road and he got a 92. So that could have been much worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that brings us to Marcus. Okay, uh, Marcus is gonna try to. <laughs> He's going to try and find a safe spot, but he doesn't want to go with the crowd because he doesn't feel entirely safe from being trampled. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess he's going to look around and try to find like maybe another hallway or place way out. Of here. Yeah. Um, well, for one, you do find that like uh, people are neglecting under the tables. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to take a hiding spot under the table would be... <laughs> would yeah. Just... yeah, I'll do that. Okay. So you find uh, a place, you find a spot near where you were and quick crawl under the table. 
kind of hold yourself a little, hold your appendages closer to your chest. So, as all this is happening, uh, once again, Dr. Bronson, she shrieks, but her scream becomes a sort of death rattle as the entire ballroom is illuminated by the flash of a camera. I want everyone to make a power roll. Oh, God damn it, not these. Ooh, that is good. That's a 20 under 80. Okay. Oh, it's a 70. 70 over 25. Oh, you're very powerful over there. <laughs> Stop! 40 Shut under up. 45. 25 and- 40 under 45? 40 under it's, 45. Uh, oh, maybe it's not 25. Let me double check. I got 43. Oh, it's 35. 43 under 60? Yeah. Okay. So, Albert, you got 40. Uh, I got uh, 70 over 35. Okay. Uh, 20 under 80. 40 under 45. And 43 under 60. Okay, so Marcus, uh, Maxwell, and Phil, um, are you looking in the direction of Dr. Bronson slash the canopic jar? I believe I'm not because I'm giving him the gun and putting it in his chest. Okay. I guess that means I am looking that way. Okay. Um, I'm going to roll the dice. See? Um, yes, I am. Okay. So, with that flash, you can see this thing envelop Dr. Bronson. It almost looks like this swirling mass of sand just attached to her body as her skin tightens around her bones and her flesh starts to kind of decay, almost. And so I would like the three of you, so that's Albert, Marcus, and Maxwell, to make a sanity roll. Alright. Oh, Man, we're getting right into it this game. No, My cowardice prevails. <laughs> you suck. 59 over 35. Oof. 30, uh, 32 under 45. I'm gonna go insane real fast this game. <laughs> uh, 26 under 60. Okay, so... Uh, Professor and Marcus, you only lose one. Uh, we roll me a D2. Got three okay, so you only lose one as well. You lucky bastard. Holy, thank God. Okay. And then you hear a cry coming from where the camera came from as a bullet rips through the journalist and he falls to the ground. So, back to the top of the round with Albert. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, are there any muzzles going off anymore? Yeah, there's, there still are. Okay. I don't really know what to do here. Is Okay, um, I'm just going to kind of peek around. Is there anyone I see around that looks like they're out of cover, like any civilians? Um, I'm going to say that the majority of the people have either hidden under tables or have left. Or are almost out of the ballroom. Okay, gotcha. Um... Hmm. I guess I'm not really sure what to do. Uh, are there any artifacts nearby? Yes. Okay. Um, I guess I'm going to grab some artifacts um, and keep them safe like behind the table. Okay. Yeah. You managed to scoop up some... Uh, one looks like this really ornate golden crook um, that's bent in the middle. But you find one of those and just some other more everyday artifacts like 
bits of stone and yeah. Uh, is that your turn then? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, is, can I still ready my gun? Just yes. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I'm gonna do that. All right, Phil. Take it. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still kind of stunned, and I just say, "What did you do?" I, I mean, you heard the crash, right? Worst possible scenario. You say as people are flooding around you, screaming and muzzle flashes are going Like I off. said, worst <laughs> possible scenario. Take it! I'm still shoving in your chest. No, I'm not going to take it. I... Aren't there more of you? Is, yeah, where did where'd my guy go? Uh, you don't see him. He either went in to do his job or chickened out. Or not as bad as me. <laughs> I've done both. <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna stay right there doing nothing I'm just with the crowd okay maybe Pete peering in no I don't want to get shot in my <laughs> all right professor I mean what can I do um, take the gun no I don't want to fucking take the gun <laughs> <laughs> going and scoop up some artifacts <laughs> I mean that's I put myself in the line of fire that maybe just how old are you 50 i'm 29 i have more life to live. <laughs> i'm rich touche um i'm gonna no i'm gonna keep looking for like more people to like shoot the bad guys okay make a hard spot roll oh yeah yo. I promise rolls will stop being on the hard or extreme difficulty. <laughs> better. Soon. Uh, 81. Over. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you... You can't seem to find anyone. It seems that despite his cowardly exterior, the security guard that tried to hand you his gun seems to be the, the bravest among the security guards here. As far as you can tell. Oh, wait, me? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, brave? I didn't even compute. <laughs> bravest by default. <sighs> I mean, it can be negative. <laughs> uh, Marcus? Um, I don't know. What, what's a composer to do? <laughs> um, Compose yourself. What's the... Uh, where are all the muscle flashes coming from? They seem to be coming from all over the room. Okay. But they appear to be retreating as well. Is there any blood splatter in any of this? I mean, it's dark. You can't really tell. But you can hear it. Well, you, the only time you heard was with the camera. I hear okay. guns. Um, I guess I'm going to try and distance myself from the muzzle flashes. Okay. Uh, keep trying to like pop from hiding spot to hiding spot, getting further away from them. Okay. But yeah, so you manage to move you move your way up, so to speak, away from the exit as uh, things are going on. Um, yeah, okay. And then you hear like a final gasp escape from where Dr. Bronson was, and you hear something hit the ground and... You somehow manage to hear this slight swoosh in the air. And then everything goes quiet. The guns cease to fire. Uh, 
the crowd has mostly left. You can still hear the screams, obviously, but you find yourselves standing in a dark room. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out since it goes quiet. Hey, uh, are there any wounded out there? You hear uh does shitted pants count? Hey, this guy thinks shit and pants counts. No! <laughs> Eventually, uh, hotel staff arrive. A larger group of security guards, about five. I'm all carrying flashlights. All kind of storm in. As you all kind of start popping out of your various hiding spaces and whatnot. Uh, the security guard who is working with you. Let's give him a name. Let's call him... Brutus. Tom. Tom Brutus. <laughs> Tom Brutus. High five. Um, he's like, dude, what the fuck? What were you doing? Surviving. Well, fucking help then. You gotta... I, I do exactly as he asks. Okay. So, so at two, Brutus? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you they kind of sweep the... Ho- the... And I, I'm, I'm like shaking and just doing it as soon as I can. Mm-hmm. So you got your, your flashlight out and the batteries <laughs> are rattling inside of it. You can see, like, the tears. <laughs> um, as you're looking around, eventually, the uh, the three of you, that would be Albert, Marcus, Professor, you are gathered by the security guards along with three other people. Coleman Reese, the Italian man that you saw in conversation with Bronson, um, and a rather sharply dressed young African-American woman. Um, who seems to just be completely rattled. And specifically because you, Phil, are looking around, you kind of head towards where the canopic jar was. And your flashlight um, illuminates the desiccated, withered corpse of Dr. Bronson. So, like, leathery... It looks almost mummified. Ooh! And I would like you to make a sanity roll. It seems like every ounce of liquid from her body has been sucked out. Sucked out. 87 over 80. Oof. Uh, go ahead and roll me a D4, Brittany. Four. You lose four sanity. Hey, 76. Best fallout game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you you shriek, and you know yes, what? Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm gonna say, given your uh, given your personality, I'm gonna say you faint. The, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm game with this. You know, that works. <laughs> I faint. I am out cold. Uh, I guess. Do I hear the thud? <laughs> you hear a soft. You know, you first you hear the shriek, and then you hear. Okay, now I'm gonna pop out of cover. Um. If, if his flashlight is still on, does that mean I get to... I can kind of see him? Yeah. Does he look like he's breathing? We have to go over and check. Alright, I kind of I kind of do a once-over of the room, and I, I like, crouch hustle over there. Okay, <laughs> okay Marine. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, uh... <laughs> <laughs> what do you you like? You look like McLovin from Superbad. Look exactly like McLovin. So yeah, bowl guess, haircut. Like if anyone hasn't seen that, he's like yeah, he's like five foot 
like two. Nothing. He's I'm super no, no, pale, no. crazy skinny. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, glasses has like a slight bit of acne on the right cheek. <laughs> you know, little little like thirteen year old mustache. Like never got a full beard. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna put my fingers to his neck to try and grab a pulse. Don't break it. Yeah, he's breathing. He just fainted. All right, I whip my hand off on my pee, on my pants. I'm not greasy. Um, I just do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna drag him back behind the table. There's no gunfire anymore, right? We're we're still out in the open in the darkness, and I don't know what made you faint. Um, yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> and there are other security guards, kind of like checking around. Okay, gotcha. Um. I'm still gonna kind of pull you off to the side, so you're not in the middle of everything. I appreciate that. Um, My savior. And we're gonna make a first aid roll. Okay. Okay. So that is. Uh, that is forty-six over thirty. You kind of do a wake up, <laughs> wake up, come on. It's kind of like slapping his cheek a little bit, and he's out cold for right now. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I'm just going to do a bit of hand-waving and say that uh, the seven of you who are left in the room have been gathered by the security guards, and you are escorted out. I'm awake. Along the way, you wake up. Okay. And uh, you are taken down the stairs, since the elevators aren't going to be working. Uh, You were taken down the stairs to the uh, hotel lobby. And by the time you get down, there's a hum and a click as lights begin to flicker back on. And as you reach the lobby, police are swarming into the building. There's a, a tall man with a very thick, bushy mustache barking orders, like sending people all sorts of directions. And you are seated at a bench in the lobby. How old is that? He looks to be 46-ish, middle-aged. A little older than me. Okay. The four of you seem to be sat next to each other, with the other three on a uh, bench next to you. And uh, this man in the bushy mustache approaches you, pulls out a notepad, and just kind of sighs, pinches his, uh, the bridge of his nose. It's just going to be a long night. I've got some questions for you. And that is where we will end our session for tonight. sincerely thank you for listening to our strange story tonight, and we hope it gave you chills and thrills alike. Join us next time for part two of The Shadow of a Providence. In the meantime, follow us on social media. We are Tales from the Orn Library official on Facebook and at Orn Library Pod on Twitter. Additionally, you can visit our website at talesfromtheornlibrary.com where you can view all the handouts used in the show thus far. 
And until next time, remember, the library is always open. Thank you.